boats around here? Who, who likes boats? Put your hands up really high. Who likes mucking around in boats, going fishing on boats, going cruising on boats, rowing boats, you know, all the rest of it? Unfortunately, boats and I don't have too good a relationship. I love water, and I like boats, but when you put them both together, I often have a problem. But the problem is, boats and water are supposed to go together, isn't that right? You've seen the inter-island ads, haven't you? There's, there's a lovely picture coming up here now. Isn't that awesome? Pristine, calm... Beautiful water. It's a fantasy. Right? Who's ever seen Wellington to Picton like that? In your dreams, right? Yeah. I might be right from Picton to where the sounds stop, right? But Wellington to the Straits. It's actually more like this. Who's been on the Cook Strait Ferry like that? Well, that's more hands than we heard earlier. <laughs> Amazing, eh? Wow, I've got quite a history with the Cook Strait Ferry. Most of it's in sick bags, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I've left my calling card a few times on Cook Strait. Anyone else? <laughs> it's quite amazing. My father-in-law used to love boats. And he loved fishing off his little dinghy that he made. Was it two foot long or something? No. Uh, Ten foot? Twelve foot? I don't know. It was pretty small. And sometimes he would persuade me, you know, to go fishing with him. And his mom up my back. And his little boat. So we'd sort of putt, putt, putt out, you know, in Golden Bay out to somewhere nice in the deep water. And then you'd throw the anchor over the side and you'd start to do fishing. And so, of course, in fishing of the boat, you've got to sort of look down, don't you, to sort of you know, either put bait on or get fish off the hook or something. So, you know, as, as you're doing that, you know, it's sort of... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah. We didn't need bait after a while when I was around because I, I provided it. It's um, boats. But actually, I want to share a much more positive story about boats and fishermen and fish this morning. <laughs> And you can leave the other images behind, some of that are in your head and some that are in your memory. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Instead of two parallel things happening here simultaneously. They're quite different from each other. In one, there's a crowd over here listening to Jesus, absolutely mesmerized by all the life-giving words he's got to say. But over here, there's a a few fishermen who really don't seem to be paying too much attention to what's going on because they're busy mending their nets and cleaning their nets. They've had a long, tiring, frustrating night of fishing, and they're desperate to get home for a rest as soon as possible. So here they are doing this, 
And they're not really noticing Jesus too much, but Jesus certainly notices them. You notice what happens in verse 3. Jesus got into one of their boats, the one belonging to Simon, Peter. Now, I've changed everything from here on just to let you know because Simon changes his name to Peter. Jesus changes his name to Peter. And so if you sort of see Simon and I talk about Peter, it gets confusing. So I've changed it all to Peter. Is that all right? I think the Lord forgives me on that one. It's okay. Yeah. And he asked them to put out a little from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, if Peter hadn't been listening to Jesus before, he certainly had no choice but to listen now, wouldn't you agree? Because Jesus was now in his boat. And this boat was his fishing vessel. He'd owned it for years. It was his tool of trade. But right now, it's become Jesus' preaching platform. Well, that was unusual for Peter. But it was going to get a little bit more unusual for Peter. Because right then, Jesus said to him, once he had finished speaking, Peter, just take the boat out again, would you, mate? And Throw the nets out into the deep. Now, Peter was a well-seasoned, very experienced fisherman. He knew all the tricks of the trade. He'd been working hard all night, no success whatsoever. He knew how to get a good catch, but this time it had failed him completely. And here now is this religious teacher that he really hardly had even met, telling him to put the nets into deep water. What does Jesus even know about fishing? I mean, isn't he a carpenter or something? He says amazing things, but I can just hear Peter thinking like this. Let's go on to verse 6. When they had done so, so Peter then, well, I'll do it, Lord, because, you know, Master, because you said to do it, so I'll do it. But when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both Boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at all the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Peter's partners. And then Jesus said to Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything, and followed him. From the minute Jesus got into Peter's boat, Peter's life would never be the same. And we've got to understand something this morning. This boat wasn't just any old boat. This boat was his way of life. It was his livelihood, in fact. It was the main asset in his business, and it was worth a heap of money. In a very real sense, his whole life revolved around this boat. This boat was everything to Peter. This boat was his life. This boat was Peter's world. And I want us to get this today. When Jesus entered Peter's boat, Jesus entered Peter's world. And his whole world changed forever. And the same with James and the same with John. The three of them left everything and followed Jesus. Now, I don't know what language you use about that wonderful transformation, that miracle that happens when Jesus comes to your life and transforms your life. Some people call it being converted. Some people say, I gave my heart to Jesus. Some people say, I asked Jesus into my heart or I got born again or, you know, I became a Christian, I got saved or whatever language you use. It's not an event 
That happens for one moment. And then the next day we get on to something else and we get on to some new experience or the next thing that comes along. The transformation that happens when Jesus comes changes our whole world. Every part of our world, not just Sunday mornings or Sunday nights or ladies' life, ladies' group or, or what is it called, ladies' Bible study or life group or youth, whatever it is. Jesus, when he comes and transforms our life, it changes everything about our whole world. He enters every part of our world, our thoughts, our actions, our decisions, everything about us. Jesus got onto Peter's boat. He entered his world. And right there, I believe Jesus has given us the greatest key to effective evangelism and disciple-making that there ever could be. If we really want to impact someone with the love of God and reach them with the power of the gospel, we've got to get into their boat, get into their world. And I think we've held a very strange belief for centuries in the Christian church. It goes something like this. If we get ourselves a lovely building, get some lights and maybe some... Smoke machines if we can. Get a great welcoming environment and have great worship and create a great atmosphere and have an awesome kids program and have amazing staff and volunteers and pastors and we advertise on Facebook and on on Twitter and and on YouTube even and maybe on TV. If we do all those things, unchurched people will automatically just get drawn to our church. They'll be going down the road, it'll be like a, a magnet will sort of pull them towards the doors and they'll come in, into us. It'll be like, they will build the, bo- the boat and the people will come and get on board. Uh-oh. Jesus proved it right here to be wrong. You see, Peter didn't get into Jesus' boat. Jesus got into Peter's boat. See, as believers in Jesus, we have the hope of the world right inside us. What an incredible blessing. The presence of God with us and in us. And it's so undeserved. It's the grace of God. It's a wonderful thing. And if we want our our churches to reach people and see lives change and our churches growing, then we need to get out there and get into people's boats. We've got to enter their worlds. Need to love them and do life with them, and that hope that we have inside us will overflow into their lives. And as you continue to read this book of Luke and the other Gospels, you find Jesus ministering more and more to people out there in the towns, in their homes, right where they were. But you know something? This made him really unpopular with his religious contemporaries. Why was that, Paul? Because they expected him always to minister in the Jewish synagogue and only in the Jewish synagogue. Actually, more than that, exclusively only in-house to them. But as his ministry expanded and the everyday person loved him and flocked to him, the legalistic religious ones became increasingly angry because he was ministering to those they thought were unacceptable and unclean and and unworthy, and he was ministering to those outside the life of the synagogue and those outside of the covenant. 
And here was Jesus offering grace and salvation and forgiveness even to their sworn enemies regardless of race and color or background or their religion. He was preaching good news to everyone, setting them all free. And all the benefits of relationship with God which the Jews had had at this point were available to all the others too. He was getting into their boat. He was entering their world. And boy, did that infuriate the religious legalistic establishment. I reckon God's called us to get out of the, outside the safe walls of the church with all the other safe believers. Well, some of them are safe around you this morning. To get involved with people who are not yet in God's family. We're going to take the blessing we have of being in relationship with Him and get into their worlds. It's the most effective form of evangelism there is. See, Jesus says, get into their boat. Get into their world. Because the only way most people will have Jesus enter their world is when we enter their world. The only way most people will have Jesus enter their world is when we enter their world. I don't go home today and say, Paul Bennett's telling you, know, he said today that church isn't any good anymore. You don't need to go to church. You just have to go and see people in their houses and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, church gatherings aren't important at all. And that's what he said. And, no, he didn't. Well, he just stood then, but, you know. That was me pretending to be Jono. And, yeah. Church gatherings are vital, right? Because we gather together to worship and celebrate and encourage each other, and then we scatter to touch other lives together to scatter. Together to scatter. Together to scatter. Together to scatter. Actually, it's quite good, isn't it? Together to scatter. Yeah, together to scatter. I like that. Together to scatter. Together to scatter. Together to scatter. Together to scatter. Can we get the rift up here with it? Oh, sorry, guys. That was, no, no, too soon. You would. Jesus got into Peter's boat. Jesus entered his world. Let's go a little bit further on in the same chapter in Luke, Luke 5 and verse 27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. And here's the same with Lushu again, by the way. Levi became Matthew, so I'm going to call him Matthew for now. Is that okay with you? Because it gets confusing. You go, who, who knows Levi? You know, well, he's Matthew, all right? And I'm Clifford, but I'm actually Paul. So that makes sense too, doesn't it? Thanks, Mum. <laughs> So where's the problem in my, you know, where I go? What's your name? Paul. No, we've got down here as Clifford. Oh, yeah, well, I'm Clifford Paul, but I'm always known as Paul. My parents always wanted to call me Paul, but they put it second instead of first because I don't know what they were doing. I don't think they were drunk when they did it, but that's what they've done. So thanks a lot. That's good. So anyway, so Levi Matthew. <laughs> She'll be sorry she came to church again today, won't you now? Poor mum. Where were we? Before I interrupted myself. Later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up, left everything, and followed him. Now you've got, to th- you've got to remember something here. In those days, a tax collector was a disreputable occupation to have. A tax collector was a real crook. A tax collector ripped people off. 
A tax they stole from people, they cheated, they usually took a whole lot more than what they were supposed to in tax so they could keep the rest for themselves. And if you had a list of the top 100 most trusted professions, tax collector would be number 150, right? They were feared, they were hated. So when Jesus came along to recruit one to be his disciple, you can imagine again what happened to those in the religious brigade. This was a really controversial and another unpopular thing that this Jesus keeps doing, right? So Jesus got involved in tax collector Matthew's life. He entered his world, and Matthew gave his life to Jesus. But look what happened next in the fixed verse, verse 29. Later, Matthew had a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Matthew's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Wow, that's a really nice thing to say, isn't it? There's that sort of horrible attitude. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. You could spend a whole morning on that little sentence. Those who think they are righteous, I've called those who know that they're not. Anyway, I won't get sidetracked on that one. Carl can clean that mess up later. Way to go, Matthew. Because his life had been so radically transformed by Jesus, he threw a huge party for all his tax collector friends and invited Jesus along. Matthew invited Jesus into his friend's world to get into their boat. And one of the worst things you can do when you become a Christian is to get rid of all your old friends. Because when you know Jesus, you have what they need in their lives. Don't abandon them. Influence them. Don't get out of their lives. Bring hope to their lives. You know, listen, if we get involved into their boat and get involved with their lives, we can do it without having to get involved with their wrong lifestyles, choices, or their sin. Jesus didn't get drunk at the parties. Jesus didn't take a puff of the drugs that were being handed around at the party. He didn't do the stuff that others were doing and buckle into peer pressure to do stuff he shouldn't have done. But he went to their parties and he got involved in their world so he could love them and see their lives changed by his presence. Oh, yeah, Paul, but he's Jesus. Yeah, he was. He is. But when you belong to Jesus, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And you take his presence with you wherever you go. My Bible tells me that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Another translation says, greater is the spirit that is in you, with a capital S, than the spirit that is in the world. That's cool. That's wherever you go, because you belong to Jesus. When I was at high school, how else remembers when Adam was around? Who remembers Noah in the ark? It's around that time. I did my best to influence others and get involved with their lives and share my faith with them. I had lots of failures in that and did some things wrong went about the wrong way but had one or two successes too by the grace of God but I obviously got a bit of reputation for better or worse later in my high school years and sixth form we used to call it because sometimes I'd get along in the lunch break and there'd be a group of 
of guys talking and they go, watch out, we're in mixed company now. Or they go, look out, here's Bennett's, you know, Bennett's change what we're doing and all this sort of stuff. And there were some other more unsavory things that used to be said and that's okay, who cares about that? Oh, you were being persecuted for Jesus. Not a theory, that was just part of fun in those days, wasn't it? But one of that group became a very close friend of mine and and out of that whole group that was like that. And eventually he was the first of a few who then became followers of Jesus. There's going to be a heap of stuff you can't do anymore once you belong to Jesus. Anyone here being called to be a nun? Or a monk? (laughs) Man, I remember thinking when I was young, I don't want to be a monk. I don't want to wear my dressing gown all the way every day. That would be a bit... But but weird, you know. God bless monks and nuns. They've done great things over the years, haven't they? But hey, unless God's called you to be a nun or a monk and take a, a vow of solitude and silence, all that sort of stuff, you live life in the world. But you're the light of that world. You're the salt in that world. You bring hope to your world. You take Jesus with you wherever you go in the world. And when you get into someone's boat and you get involved in their world, Jesus gets involved with you. Because the only way that most people will have Jesus enter their world is when we enter their world. Let's jump a few chapters here in Luke. Are we still okay? It says 21, 25, 26, 27, whatever that means. That's good. At least I know it can count upwards. Luke 19. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. That's really interesting. I find this fascinating. Tax collector... Have we just heard this a few moments ago? Sounds familiar. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Now that's intriguing to me. Because I'm pretty certain that Zacchaeus' tax collector friends had told him all about the parties at Matt's place. Because Matt was a tax collector that Jesus had transformed, right? And he'd heard that as Jesus came to those parties at Matt's house, as Jesus got involved with their lives and got into their boat, their lives had changed dramatically. And Zach was very curious about this. So a huge crowd had gathered and he wanted to see Jesus. had to climb a tree to, to get a look. Who remembers that great little song we used to all sing. Now, be honest. Come on, you're older than me, some of you. Can you all stand, please, right at this moment? The ones who know the song. Not the older ones. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The other's not going to have it. Yeah, it goes something like this, doesn't it? Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He climbed up to the sycamore tree, for he wanted the Lord to see. 
And when the dear Lord passed that way, he looked up to the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house for tea. That's good. Thank you very much. That's very cool. <clears throat> well done. You know, back in our earlier days, we learned lots of stories about the Bible by singing them, right? It was, you can't get out of your head, can you? Some of you wish I could have, but yeah. So when Jesus reached the spot, verse 5, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly, gladly, gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. There's that judgmental attitude again. Pushes people away. Doesn't draw them to Jesus. Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, I know who you are. I know your name. I know where you're at. I want to come to your home. I want to get into your boat. I want to be in your world. I want to be in your life. And for anyone to tell you this morning, Jesus knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows where you're at. He knows what you need in your life. He wants to be in your world. He wants to be in your life. Verse 8, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus came to seek and save lost people. Lost people are those who don't yet discover, discovered yet they are sons and daughters of God. That can describe all of us at some time in our lives, including me. I was brought up in a wonderful Christian home and family, but just being in a Christian environment and going to church didn't make me a Christian. Just like if I sat in my garage day after day, I wouldn't become a car. Nine years of age, I knelt down at the chair in, my, in our lounge and asked Jesus to take over my life. Entered my world. He's been with me ever since. What about you this morning? Have you allowed Jesus into your boat? Have you invited him into your life? You know, when you get into people's boats, into their worlds, you've no idea who they'll turn out to be. Peter, the fisherman, became the first leader of the early church. He preached his first message on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came to know Jesus and were baptized. What awesome preaching. It's a great thing to aim for, Carl. James, his fishing partner, was the first of the original 12 disciples to be martyred for his faith. James's brother John, Peter's other fishing partner, went on to write the Gospel of John. And also the letters we know, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And then later in life, being exiled to the Isle of Patmos, he wrote the book of Revelation. What about Matthew? The despised tax collector, he wrote the gospel of Matthew. Later went on, they believe, as a missionary to Ethiopia, where he's believed to have been martyred for his faith. My friend from school, one of them, one of my friends that came to know Jesus, the one of the scoffers originally, went on to be a full-time minister in New Zealand and overseas, influencing many for the kingdom of God. You don't know 
when you get involved into people's, get into people's boats, when you get into their worlds, influencing them for Jesus, you don't know who they might turn out to be. Let's not isolate ourselves from the world. Let's be influencers in the world. Let's not become so in-house focused that we cater just for ourselves, but let's cultivate meaningful relationships outside of these walls. Let's get into people's boats. Let's get into their worlds. It won't be all smooth sailing. There'll be storms along the way. There'll be some disappointments and there's some heartaches. You'll even be judged wrongly and misunderstood like Jesus was at times. But Jesus wants us to get into people's lives because he wants to be in their lives. We close our eyes for a few moments this morning as the team comes back on stage. I'm really hoping this morning this is not a condemnatory type message, but an encouraging message. What I believe, I love, I believe we should do this morning is right now, as we'll have our eyes closed, let's ask the Holy Spirit to put on our hearts someone that we can really get into their boat. I know most of you are doing this. I know I'm preaching to the converted. But it's for me too. But we keep reminding ourselves, who is there around about us? that we can get into their boats, into their worlds, and influence them with the love of God. Whether they come to know Jesus or not, that's really up to him in the end. Anyone today that the Holy Spirit would just place on your heart that you would make a concerted effort to continue to build relationship with, continue to reach out to, continue to love through thick and thin, entering their boat, their world that their lives will be changed by the grace of God if the Lord's given you someone this morning and you know there's been someone you've still been, you've been doing that for a long time and you might have felt like it's not bearing any fruit I encourage you don't give up don't give up we will bear fruit in due season if we persevere in faith as you have our eyes closed, this is not for you this morning, it's for someone else. There's someone you say, I know who it is, I've got that person, and I'm going to continue to pray and just to really just continue to make great friendship, relationship with him. We just put your hand up right now as an aperture. Here it is, Lord, I'm just bringing it before you again today. Yes, I've got this person or these people that you're asking me to be involved with. Just as an offering to the Lord this morning. I bring it to you this morning. By your Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and anoint that relationship. Give me wisdom, Lord. Give us wisdom, Lord, as we conduct these relationships, as we love them. We don't see them as notches on the belt, but people that you love. And that, Lord, you'd help us to love them in the way that they need, to enter their worlds, to woo them with the love of God, that presence going with us, to see their lives change. Thank you for those that did that to us. Thank you for those that influenced our lives. Thank you for our families, for our friends, for those over the years that prayed for us, that we're here as trophies of grace. Through no effort of ourselves, 
but through the wonderful gift that you've given, eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that this morning. Continue to be with us day by day in Jesus' name. Amen.